I'll give you some data, bro, in regards to Pornhub came out with some some numbers back in 2019, uh, and what they found was that here in Aotearoa, a 30 odd percent, 70 percent of the of porn consumption was on mobile devices. Mm. 30% was on computers, desktop, which is quite alarming. Um, if you look at it in regards to majority of the homes today don't have computers. There's traditional desktops that we used to have. It runs on iPads and all that stuff, which means desktops now are heavily used in workplace and schools. We are porn are being consumed. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. If it's your first time here, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Please Blow My Mind. It's a podcast by me, Will Fleming, and and I try and have interesting conversations with interesting people about the interest in life. And it really is that simple. So... Uh, yeah, thank you. There's a back catalogue of like a hundred and something podcasts. I think coming up to two hundred. I mean, originally I had the goal of going to a thousand, and 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 you know, a thousand of anything's quite a lot. But I'll still, I'm still going to chip away at that. Try and get to a thousand. I guess where my mind has been at lately is. Let's have more. <laughs> I want to start a new podcast of, and I want to start heaps of podcasts. I, I just love podcasting. So, you've captured me on this day and this moment, and I'm full of hope, full of optimism, and I feel like I need to be because there's some stuff happening in the world. Right? We've seen. Uh, what's the date today? The date is the twentieth of January, two thousand twenty-two, and not long ago. We had this eruption in Tonga and the world stopped for a second to have a look at what's going on there and you know we had blackouts, people couldn't get in touch with family, right now in our Kiwi community we've got regular families you know, packing containers full of essential primal things like water, like food. You know, like things that most of us in the Western world forgot about a long time ago as being something of necessity. It's almost like we treat those things as a right and, you know, it's not. So I I particularly want to uh, give some positive vibes to that at the moment and also I have an amazing guest who is of Tongan descent on the podcast this week, Dr. Edmund Fehoko. But before we get to that, I thought I'd just pop this up on screen. So it's a GoFundMe page uh, called Tonga Tsunami Relief by Peter Tofatofua. And you may know him um, as he was described to me as the oiled up Tongan, who was the flag bearer for Tonga at the Olympics. And this is his page that he set up via GoFundMe and so far it's raised 528,000 Australian dollars that's 9.4 thousand donors and um, I had a good chat with a friend of mine called Kennedy and he's known in the community as Tongan Robin Hood because he helps the um, the overstayers in the community with kind of civil liberties that you and I have but that the people who live in the shadows don't always um, have so uh, Kennedy is someone who very much keeps his finger on the pulse but also um, he's someone who's worked in the community space for a long time and I, I go to Kennedy for very important matters especially like this so I said Kenny who is who's the people to donate to here and he gave me Peter's um, GoFundMe page so let's all jump onto that let's donate and uh, and that will go to the people who need it in Tonga let's get into this episode of Please Blow My Mind with Dr. Edmund Fehoko so Ed and I go back a little bit 
we both work in education as our day-to-day stuff and we cross paths and he's got an energy about him and and I like that energy and I've been wanting to podcast with Ed for years and it just so happened that this time was right for us to catch up so I'm particularly interested in this conversation because he's a researcher he's an academic and his area of expertise is something that's really kind of interesting for me and I think you'll find it interesting too he talks about these kind of ancient practices like the carver bowl session okay so carver being a traditional drink from the islands ancient drink um or ancient, well, yeah, I guess it's a drink, and there's a ceremony around that, and there's this kind of uh, neutral level of hierarchy, you know, like, uh, I don't know, someone really important and someone who's an everyday person, they can get along in this ceremony, they can talk to each other, an elder and a younger, they can talk to each other, and it particularly gives me hope when I think of that, because we're struggling to do that kind of stuff in today's world like how does the left talk to the right there's no neutral zones and I think there should be more neutral zones it's what I hope this podcast is is a neutral zone so we talk a little bit about that I asked Edmund about his research into gambling and what is it in Pacific people that makes us, you know, like susceptible to that? It's very interesting, very interesting when you see the gamesmanship of the Pacific. So we have a wild and weird and wonderful conversation, and I'm going to bring that to you right now. Thank you, everybody, for joining me on the podcast. Those who have been around here before, thank you. Those who are joining uh, now, thank you. You all blow my mind, and now I bring you my conversation with Dr. Edmund Fehoko. Bringing out the fight, yeah, bring on all the lightning. Cause I'm looking for a hero, look inside the mirror. I find one, oh, carry the hurt when it gets too hard. Pick it up, dust it off. When I fall down 11, I get up 12, don't need nobody else. Yeah, I can save myself. Edmund, I've been, I've really been waiting for this. It's like for years wanting to chat with you and like we've worked together professionally and whatnot, so it's not always appropriate, but in the background, you've, you've been doing your doctorate, you've got that now, and I just think that there's some really awesome stuff. So, I mean, look, I don't really know where to start. Is it fair to say like academia, you're an academic, right? Wow. Well, I guess... For now, mm. uh, that's the a title that I'll, I'll probably call myself mm. uh, as an early career academic. Um, but I, I still see myself as just a local carver drinker, <laughs> just helping out with the community and family. So, yeah, Brian. But yeah, I guess professionally, um, yeah, definitely in the early career space. Uh, I mean, how important is it that you've reached this doctor title? Like, I guess what I'm saying is, do you? Ever, do you come from a family of academics? Oh, like, no. like, like, what do they think about it? Yeah, absolutely. I, oh, mate, it's it is quite humbling. Mm. Uh, I think, if anything, majority of the time, um, the the PhD is is a it's a it's a title and a dream that a lot of our Pacific peoples um, dream of mm. of having. Um, if it's not for themselves, but it's it's their it's their children and grandchildren. Um, because it brings prominence and mm. and uh, it's almost seen as something that hopefully one day it would help them elevate their status to a whole new level. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I, I come from a family that's just, you know, from the ground. Um, and, you know, my, my dad, who worked at a factory for 18 years, um, you know, just packing milk bottles. My, my mom, who was a sewist, um, you know, just sewing um, hospital gowns mm. uh, for years, and and that was their the main job. And then they had a side hustle, which was cleaning. You know, wow. they were even to this very moment. My, I'm proud to say that my, my parents are, are cleaners um, at the Mason Clinic mm. at the Mental Health um, Institution out at um, Mount Albert. You mm. know, and so, and it was through their hard work that allowed me to get just to drive myself uh, and motivate myself 
to one day uh, make him proud. And yeah, and, and, and that's something that, you know, my, I've got five siblings. I've got a twin sister, um, two younger brothers and a younger sister. Mm. And, you know, obviously as the eldest year, you kind of have to lead the way. Mm. Um, and I had two pathways. I had education or youth gang affiliation. Mm. And when I graduated with my BA back in 2011, I, I kind of was already in you know publication mode and I called my, my journey at the time from gangs to graduation mm. you know it was from leaving the, the street life that I was was supposed to go down based on the society that, and the community that I was around based on family based on other people like church uh, and other young people that I was affiliated with and yet it was from the prayers of my, my grandmother, my parents, that allowed me to go for education and and made me, uh, got me to the position where I'm at now. Far out. So two things I want to ask, like one is what what is the dream that you're fulfilling for your ancestors, sorry, you know, great ancestors and then family who traveled to New Zealand, right? Because... I guess that's where we both share the story where mm. our, our parents and our grandparents, they used their bodies mm-hmm. as uh, the tool for income. And there's something about you transitioning to the using the mind. Mm. Is, that, is that something that's a purposeful thing that the parents put in place, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. You know, just to answer the, the latter um, part is that. Oh, you know, education is you know is the key mm. um, for anything. Mm. Um, it's even biblical, mm. uh, if anything. Um, you know, w- if we look at Tonga's history of Christianity, uh, when they brought in Christianity into Tonga, the King George the First talks about how um, the, the, the missionaries try to persuade him, and what they said was. At the time, he used the Bible verse, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are being destroyed because of the lack of knowledge. And you transfer that across to education. Our people today are being destroyed because of the lack of knowledge they're knowing. You know, and classic examples, COVID-19, right, vaccines. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And that lack of knowledge is that our people are relying on, on misinformation is creating a lot of, it's destroying them. It's mm. destroying our communities, and so you know, transfer that to education. My parents um, had the dream that education will bring prosperity for not just myself, but also for them and the wider family as well. Mm. I guess for my great great ancestors, if anything, they would want me to stay connected to the culture, mm. uh, and hence why I affiliate myself as a kava drinker um, because that if anything. Um, that was one thing that I, I hope that that I'm that I'm still thinking about that I'm connected with them through the through the plants and the beverage of the Pacific. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if they were drinking it back then, I'm drinking it now, and that's just bring that brings back a lot of heartstring moments and hopefully um, an opportunity to connect by the land. Mm, and you studied the role of carver, is that right? Can we break that down a little? Yeah, bit? absolutely. Um, 2014, I. Did a master's research on it um, and just looked at the New Zealand born experience um, of carver drinking here in New Zealand. And so, um, you know, it was through personal experience uh, participating in the carver drinking sessions at the age of 14 um, and, you know, sitting along, alongside my dad, who was a carverholic. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was interesting because I saw two different sides to my dad at the mm. time, you know. At home, he was a very macho man um, father who just didn't, who just came in, told us what to do, blah, blah, blah. Didn't smile, had no emotions. And yet, goes into the carver circle, man, he's a joker. He's a, he's a, he's a chatterbox. And he's the ones that are cracking up the jokes. And, and I sit there going, wow. That's that's just that's just weird, and then, and so, you know, as time went by, um, and I went into the carver circles not knowing how to speak Tongan, mm. and it was just through um, observation, just sitting there taking it in, drinking obviously, but it was more through the music, you know, the singing of Tongan music, and 
and being forced to speak the language, mm. uh, which was a challenge, obviously, to not just myself, but many other New Zealand-born Tongans. But, man, you know, it, it just brought a lot of richness to um, to learning not just the conversational Tongan language, but also, uh, you know, because we have three different layers of Tongan language. you got commoners' language, nobility, and then you've got the king's language. And so in the Kawa circle, you're able to learn all three through the many stories and 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 through the intergenerational transfer of knowledge from the elders, mm. which is something that I hope will be allowed for our Pacific communities to continuously do during these challenging times is to sit with elderly and young people and just talk about intergenerational stories. Yeah, bro. Yeah. There's a lot of empowerment and enlightenment that will take place, um, which will bring back a lot of um, prosperity for our people. Man, and... <clears throat> It's something that, you know, like I'm really tired. I'm really all in on this conversation stuff, right? Like the fact that we can sit here and I can record it. I I feel like there's something special about that. And the fact that society mm. is interested in things like podcasts. Mm. So I wonder what gap that's filling. And it must be filling this bit of a void for what you're saying, that traditionally we had these mm. pathways to connect but they're closing up because mm. things are run by algorithms and we're mm. all on social media and now we're on these lockdown things and actually that doesn't work for people. Mm. I, mean, people I read a study the other day that the human heartbeat, our heartbeats are sinking right now. Mm. They're starting to come into line and I thought, that's 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 it. That's that magic source that's being mm. together, Abraham. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you see it, and I, I see it in the carver circles, mm. where we, when I sit there with um, a man that's like, who can be the, the age of my grandfather, mm. and I can speak to him in a language, in a, in a way that is culturally safe, but I can take the mickey out of him. Yeah. You know, that's that's um, a, 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 not, a, not a skill, but an attribute that you can't do outside, because obviously we've got to show respect in, to elderly, but in the carver, in the carver spaces, I can take a take the mickey out of a minister in a way that's safe and respectful um, that I can't do outside the Kava circle. So I can't, I would have to respect him differently at church, but in the Kava circle, mate, everyone's on the same playing field. So it's a li- like I've been trying to work out the podcast, people say, what's one of the things that you love about it? I like the the neutral zone that it provides it means i can sit here with you today the other week i had a guy in here who had invented a board game Mm. and uh, the the only connection really is that we all have a story to tell Mm. so is that something that the carver bowl session allows is this like like you say there's no other place to what acts as a substitute for something right yeah well you know in my study i compared it to how english ladies will have tea parties you know, um, or how a group of academics will come together and have long blacks or mockers. You know, the carver space is there. It's not because you, the the beverage, but it's the socialization. You know, that brings um, that brings people together. Mm. Drinking a cultural beverage that connects everyone through the land, and there's a reason why we all sit on the ground because is that everyone is grounded, eye to eye, leveled, and everyone. Whether you come in, whether you have a PhD, you're high, you know from the high school, unemployed, or you're from the factory. Once you enter the circle, you take off all your hats and your titles, and everyone's in the same playing field in communication, which which in, in Pacific cultures that's unique. Mm. You never see that, right? Because we live in a very respectful, uh, hierarchical society. Yeah, and and so having a space like that and every day in our and the challenging times that we have at the moment, it just it brings an opportunity for a young person and also elderly just to learn, share knowledge and ideas, insights mm. that will hopefully one day bring peace to, and comfort for a lot of our young people growing up today. That's beautiful. Would, uh, so, um, Tongan culture has royals. Would royals, uh, how does the, these carver sessions work is there the the hierarchy must still stay yeah absolutely yep. yeah um so the king himself has his own carver circle um and oh, to be honest i don't even know if he drinks himself but <laughs> yeah. he has he has a carver um 
his cover is known as the Tamafa cover, which is the King's Coronation. Yeah. So, it's Tonga's version of the Westminster Coronation. Mm. Um, back in in, um, in the 1950s, 60s, um, nobles had their own carver circles. Um, and then when Queen Salote Dupo III passed, um, she, she, because she's Tonga's greatest poet, and, and she, she composed a lot of songs. And so commoners... Uh, from the villages gathered together outside palace Tonga's palace and were singing her compositions around carver bowls right and, and so the the beauty of it was that uh, the nobles wanted to be a part of it and they wanted to integrate themselves and humble themselves and into the circles of the commoners which is rare you know you don't, you don't see that and so that that um uh, idea has now shifted to Aotearoa or wherever Tongan people migrate to and and like I mentioned earlier whether you're church minister noble you enter these circles you still respect them in, because of their the title and their positions but in, in regards to communication everyone's in the same playing field yeah. and it's just open you know mm. and you know that's something that I you know I've got a young young girl and I want her to, to speak freely to me um, in a way that um, she can do with her uncles and just feel safe about it and, and mm. not feel culturally bounded by these protocols that she has to follow based because of our culture. Yeah, I guess it's like, you know, you made the observation for your dad, mm. you know, where it's like, how come you're that dude there, mm. but not with me? And I guess <laughs> part of the tension is um, he was also playing the game of life in real time mm. hey it's yeah. not like everyone has a stack of answers you're just trying to make it work and i guess we know stress affects all of us mm. and and so um i guess i bring that up because uh i think we have a mutual friend um akure marisella thompson mm. do you know him and my river the founder and um he once told me he never saw his dad be you know angry and violent until they moved here because mm. it was so much it was like you know he didn't know he needed a driver's license for mm. example and and i guess now where our generations can be like what's the maybe what i'm saying is what's the balance right what's the balance of understanding the past and the future because there is that eh? Mm. um yeah no i had a, dis- a discussion with my wife about it and uh a couple, couple of weeks ago regarding you know just the space for males Mm. And it's, uh, there's been a lot of talks in regards to finding space for females after you know domestic violence, mm. sexual violence, and mm. all that kind of mm. stuff. Um, and totally agree with it. But this, at the same time, as Pacific males, we we live up to many expectations and many pressures and roles that we need to fulfil. And I, I kind of mentioned to my wife that you know I want to go to a I just want to go to a cover circle and just sit there, mm. and and just be able to socialize um, sing and unwind yeah you know and, and that's one of the, that's the beauty of it is that you can just unwind after uh, you know, a stress a stressful event mm. and just be yourself mm. and i think that, that was my dad you know it's uh, obviously my dad at home he's hard working he won't he won't talk about it yeah and he won't be able you know he won't even show emotions and yet you go to a carver circle he's sharing his experience um, with with other with other Tongan lads who's probably going through similar issues as well, mm. um, and 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 that's more. So I guess that's the beauty of these cultural practices, is that we, if anything, we we need to revitalize them in a, yeah. in, in this contemporary world that we live in, um, because it brings back uh, a sense of not just cultural identity, uh, but knowledges as well that have been transferred for years in these spaces. Yeah, um, and. Imagine if, if we weave this into the education curriculum, yes. the health sector, we will see uh, a rejuvenation of of our of not just Pacific but also Maori. You know, Maori people uh, revitalizing a sense of cultural practice uh, and bringing that back into these contemporary worlds that our young people are living in. Yeah, I mean, and that's where it gets bogged down in the bureaucracy of you know big big places eh? you know like it must be really challenging to run any big organization but i guess that's what maybe the feeling is is 
And maybe what I hope you represent to me, it's like you're going to research the things that you find valuable. And then the data will be available for, you know, people who, you know, it's like you just don't want to collect data so that it can be used for some, you know, uh, random thing. Mm. The data you're going to collect, like you're, are you currently or you have researched um, gambling? What, yeah, so, yeah. and I mean, like, mm. that's data that's going to be useful mm. for future generations. Yeah. Um, so, so my, my PhD study was on gambling from a time perspective. Mm. And well, I guess one of the motivations behind it was that 30 years ago, back in 1991, New Zealand carried out um, the first national prevalence survey on gambling, right? And that the data that came out of that survey back in 91 said um, Maori and Pacific were four to six times more at risk in developing problem gambling behaviors. 30-odd years on, we're still four to six times more at risk in developing problem gambling behaviors, despite having all these efforts, treatments, yeah. providers established, we're still at risk. And I wanted to dig deep into the why. Why is it that we are, are more at risk than the general population? And and so, because over, over the years, these are, we've seen a truckload of quantitative data, yeah. numbers after numbers, uh, but people are, the researchers are just lacking stories mm. into the why. And, and so, you know, I digged into the Tongan stories, um, as a Tongan researcher, as a Tongan person, it, just, it was only um, safe that I, I do Tongan stories. And so what I found was that uh, a lot of the gambling behaviors originate back in the homelands, hmm. back in Tonga. So gambling itself, if anything, like if you look at languaging, there's no specific word for gambling. It's hmm. a foreign concept. Yeah. But we have our own ways of of developing gambling behaviors. So it's for games, it's through, uh, this is controversial, bro. It's like for church tithing. You know? Church what? Tithing. I don't know. That. Uh, donations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big issue. Bro. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and like, oh, I think, I'll, yeah, I don't mind. I'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's like, well, I guess we'll be a little bit careful because part of what happens is we get into talking, but it is, you know, we're recording, mm. but we're also putting ourselves on record to be like well we part of it is our responsibility now eh? yeah, that absolutely. that we're doing this so and i guess bro, i'll be honest man that, that's why I'm, I'm doing this kind of these kind of researches at the moment mm -hmm. right and i and i I've, I've had a discussion with my wife about this and, and i said to her if i don't do this if i don't do the studies now yeah another guy's gonna come and do it and our communities are gonna be pissed off yeah and it's only safe that I do it in a way that I know it's going to be safe for the community. But at the same time, I'm, it's not being critical, but it's shedding light into some of the behaviors and practices that we know that if we continue to go, if we continue to do it now, we'll see behaviors, problematic behaviors later in life. Yeah. And and now I have a daughter that just makes it even more, gives me more motivation to, to ensure that whatever I do now will will provide a better opportunity for her to not go through a similar pathway. Yeah. You know, and, and and so gambling is just one study. I'm currently doing three other addiction studies looking wow. at online, ga online gaming and gambling, social media addiction, and pornography. Issues that our, our Pacific communities, not just Pacific, but all New Zealanders know about, but we won't talk about. Yeah. Um, and as researchers, it's our it's our responsibility, it's our duty to go out, collect the stories, and hopefully develop frameworks or provide information and data or, or um, um, you know, and, and some resource, I guess, to support our people to not go through addictive behaviors later on in life, mm, or to channel those addictive behaviors into things like what we're actually seeking is to be to join where our ancestors were absolutely like like you told me when you arrived it's a history of exploration mm. and so what did you say about risk like that's in our dna yeah you know we man we're risk takers here yeah. you know it's just amazing how if you know if you, if you sit back and just reflect on how far our people have come mm. uh you know i just look at my my parents journey and 
leaving the kingdom of Tonga with no en- limited English, mm. limited skills compared to the skills that was that demand here in New Zealand um, was once again the standards they had for our Pacific peoples, and yet still be able to find two or three jobs and a roof for me and my siblings to yeah. survive. And I said to my mum the other day, and to still look at the world half full. Mm. You know, that's one mm. thing that I think is being lost is this this deep hope that it'll work. Yeah. You know, and phew, that's worth that's worth trying to refine, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know there's, there's a couple of quotes that have inspired my journey, you know, um, and you've heard of this one. Benjamin Disraeli once said, the greatest good you can do for another is not to share your riches, but to reveal to them their own. Mm. And I think, if anything... Yeah, I've accomplished some, some some stuff in life to date, but it's not my job to to boast about it. It's my job to reveal and unpack the hidden riches that God has blessed our young people with, mm. and that's why I'm, uh, you know, my, my wife study who looked at the who explored the, the quarter life crisis. Mm. Um, that's my my hope is to unpack those hidden riches within our our young people to one day they'll grow up and continue to do that as well to mm. to my daughter to the future generation to come well and to translate it into a way that let's just say kiwis whatever that means you know mm. we we live here at the moment and we're all this melting pot and we celebrate that but what that really also means is you need under, ways of understanding it mm. that um, is not just like you do that because like i think everyone's now can question and google and I even like the revelation that it's maybe that it's awesome. It actually makes sense that our Pacific people we're we're competitive. We like gaming. Mm. You know, um, who's who's your friend Dan, Daniel? Um, the uh, what's is um Hernandez? Uh, yes. What is he? Uh, what's his? Uh, he's a he's a anthropologist, ethnomusicologist. Yeah, yeah. And he was telling me during a chat that I had with him that there's these ancient practices of Tongan people holding boulders mm. and sitting at the bottom of the ocean and that's right in my interest area because it's breath holding and all mm. of these things and I was like what do you think it was about and he's like well who could stay down the longest <laughs> and and I thought to myself that is like how we are when we were kids mm. you know who can do the biggest bomb yeah, who yeah, can absolutely. who can sit at the ocean for the longest but what that's doing is probably promoting health in a weird way mm. Who can tolerate the most stress? Because you're the one who needs to be on the boat mm. searching. And I think, like, if we can reframe that and provide those environments. I mean, we do it for every sports team known to man, mm. right? It's just that's only part of life. Mm. The other part of life is thinking forward. And yeah, mm. well, you know, in my in my study, believe it or not, mate, this will may wow you. Uh, the first game of rock paper scissors. Was in top. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> that does well uh, me. And there's a there's a um, written account of it um, by it was made by William Mariner in his book, and I referenced it in my study. Um, javelin was originated in Tonga, but it was seen as a it was a, a do or die game by noble chiefs. Um, they call it the Sikatoa. Mm. Um, which you see now in Polyfest as a dance, but as the Sika is the the rod that you throw and between two chiefs or the sons of chiefs mm. um, and if you throw it if you hit the tree you you win if you lose you, you're gone and so it takes a lot of obviously you can imagine the training and skills that goes behind all that kind of stuff mm. and then not just that but understanding the weather the wind and all that you know it, it, it takes a lot of effort and then these other games like um the laffle, which is the bowling, which we see as bowling lawn bowls. Mm. But back in ancient Tonga and ancient Samoa as well, the laffle or the laafonga was was played by chiefs and it was a mat. You get coconut shells, you cut it in half and you roll it down there. And then you, um, it was the same. If you lose, you lose your land, you lose your... Stakes were high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a, yeah, there was more... There was more risk in that. <laughs> and so do you think we still carry those that inbuilt DNA when we're sitting at the card table or the poking machine and it's like it's still all or nothing? Absolutely. And maybe potentially other cultures have 
not dealt into that fabric so it's like we, harsh civilization might say you're not reasonable you're not at, of the correct um, decision making but it's because it's like a history of like mm. that's what gets you around the world before everyone else right mm, absolutely and if, if you look at it from like a tone perspective maybe, um, back in 2017 when the Tongan rugby league team came to Aotearoa there was three letters that went around the whole country MMT Mate Matonga mm-hmm. and that's Mate Matonga means to die for Tonga or Mate Tonga which is you know putting your heart on the line for Tonga and you saw that in, in the game um, in the semi-final game Tonga and England um, it was do or die right to the line and the good thing was uh, we and as Tongan people you can transfer that mentality into education we enter education spaces with a do or die because we know for sure that if we don't finish your education, we don't die. The the pride of our parents and the reputations and profiles of our parents, and not just their, not our parents, but their parents mm. and our generation uh, and their ancestors will die. Mm. And hence why, yeah, there's a lot of benefits, but this also brings pressure to our um, yeah. to our young people yeah. and excelling in education. And I think that's one thing to to note is that. Uh, if we use it in a way to motivate us, man, we can do wonders. Yeah. We, if anything, we will probably see the next Pacific Prime Minister in Aotearoa soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, and and it's that balance which probably has to be found internally with, you know, like the transfer of knowledge. Eh? It can't be kind of dictated or, you know, I have a really tough time believing it will come from the top down. Mm you know even from like say governments it has to be what you're doing collecting the information and then it might take generations for that to actually find its way back into the community mm. but i think it currently is not there like like who owns that original data about um maori pacific being the top gamblers you know it's like it definitely won't be mm. i mean who who actually wrote those oh it's the government yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah you know yeah, you know, I just found it weird mm. that we're still. Uh, you know, there was a recent consultation that took place, and yeah. I, I said to them, to the ministry, mate, you're doing another strategic plan with the same numbers and the same data that you had 30 years mm. years ago, mm. and you're using that for the benefit for the benefit of you and the government, and you know the consequences of our communities. That's uh. And and I guess the rabbit hole goes a bit deeper. I've been doing this documentary, helping film it, and it's around the digital divide of Pacific peoples, mm. right? And it's like uh, there's this researcher guy, and he was telling me like it's up to thirty three percent, and he said it's not. That's not why it's so bad. He said the people affected are the young kids, mm. and the 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 elders who traditionally are the decision makers Mm. and so they're not part of these digital conversations and you know uh i talked to a census guy and he was like yeah they they (laughs) they did all the last census digitally so you're saying 33 percent of pacific peoples weren't part of that and how do you make legislation well it's based off data Mm. and if the data is missing 33 percent it's skewed eh? yeah and, and let's be honest, our, our Pacific peoples are getting tired mm-hmm. of being um, over-researched yep. over and over yep. again. Yep. And as we all know, there's no outcomes or good outcomes for our people. Mm. And I think that's where it takes our Pacific researchers and scholars to stand up and make a difference for our communities. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been asked why, why I'm entering the space of academia um, and I've, my response is that you know I've been able to master the white space in education mm. now is to colour that space in, with my brown flavours mm. um, you know and the, Anne Milne the educationalist scholar she wrote a, a, a her thesis was based on colouring in white spaces mm. and it was about bringing culture into these traditional mainstream spaces that just has no um, barriers or I mean has no influence on Pacific or on people of colour mm. and so I think that's what this is where we come into to play now is that it's, it's time that was over, over June now mm. what's your um, 
What does your dad think about what you do, bro? Yeah, what, well, mom? Mate. Is he is he like? Uh, oh, I want to introduce you to that person and introduce you. <laughs> oh, at first it was um, when I when I said to him I'm doing research on carver circles. Mm. His first question was, "You gonna get a job out of that?" <laughs> um, because well, you know, obviously, you want to see that as a as a job. His his mentality of masters and PhD was, oh, you're gonna be a lawyer, an accountant, or yeah. you're gonna work for the government, yeah. or you're gonna be work at a university. Um, not understanding the concept of research and the the influence it will have on policy and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and, and so after doing the PhD, he's, I think he's come to, um, you know, he's he's understood why I'm doing research now uh, and the impacts it will have. And he's enjoying it, man. He's he's sitting in carver circles, uh, just talking about my study, mm. um, acting like he did it. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, That's it's, such uh, a dead uh, thing to uh, do. And uh, uh, actually, quite humbling, you know, just to have him go. Oh yeah, jeez. Giving facts, probably uh, that you've told yeah, him. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, you wrote chapter one to five, <laughs> but anyways, it's it's good to oh. to know that you uh, you know. He, yeah, I think it's, if anything, bro, it is quite humbling to have your parents. Um, and if that's what you want, really, as a child, is you want your, your parents to boast about you, not not you boasting about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it. You know, I've entering, I, I've entered spaces where you hear people introduce themselves as, I'm Dr. So-and-so, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I just let my parents do that, bro. I was like, nah, you earned it. Yeah. And if anything, I'll give you the title. Because mm-hmm. this is your title. Um yeah that. that's awesome any thoughts on like um i guess there's a big push at the moment and that's where i'm at in the education space where maori pacific into technology and stem and all these things and i guess i can be honest with you because you know we, we know each other one of the things i often say to my um, peers and bosses is mm. um hey it's not it's actually not that easy just to sell someone the idea that they should be on a computer when no one in their family understands that they're not just looking at TikTok. Mm. So I find a lot of my time mentoring the students is explaining to them ways that they can explain to their parents mm. what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wonder about, maybe I'll just speak really open, that I hope what we're not doing is pushing Māori Pacific so that we can tick boxes that people are digital savvy when... Actually, we're creating more mental health struggles for people mm. because they don't have the potentially the support people around them. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, maybe, I guess the you know the question is really stuff. Mm. Uh, for you can look at languaging, you look at uh, just an opportunity. Mm. Um, you know, I could just talk about my own parents who recently just got the hang of. Working a phone, yeah. Uh, and over the past couple of years, I've been doing trainings uh, alongside uh, a trust and looking at digital literacy, mm. um, and just training them on, uh, you know, for example, Zoom. And mate, you know, you just uh, then you have to kind of you got to understand it in the English way, and then you got to translate it into a tongue way, and it's just. And that's why I talk about language. That's one of the biggest issues is that our parents, my parents' generation, don't understand some of these technical words, mm. and it's hard. It's hard enough to translate them. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, for for the Pacific communities is that if we can come together and just find some words to um, to to help understand the, these technical terms. Um, which will not not just for the sake of our parents and my grandparents, but also for for future generation is as a way to hold on to the language. Mm. You know, we we're not just doing this because the tick box that we want to do with our parents and grandparents, but also to ensure that my children will grow up understanding the technical terms yes. in the Tongan language, yep. maintain it and pass it on. Yeah, and and what it's for. Like, I sit down and we talk about it as a class. I say. Why are you learning how to manipulate an image to record mm. a video? Is it to get views? Or are you the person in your family now who is the artist of the mm. family and can capture what we're doing, mm. you know? And and actually that's a really exciting space because 
you know, we want to be captured. We we actually need to be captured, rather. Absolutely. You know? mm. It's about time. You know, gone are the days where, well, I don't think anyone's writing now. Mm. And, you know, if we have a challenge of handwriting, be some ugly ass handwriting at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we as Pacific peoples, man, we, we're good speakers. We, we can stand up and deliver anytime. Mm. And I think it's, we are now in a, in a generation and space where our young people need to start capturing um, the profiles and portraits of our Pacific parents. One day it's going to be a hard challenge for the future generation to come and try to capture our stories. Mm. And so I think it's, it's a, it's a um, we're at a time where there's some good platforms out there for our young people. Yeah, Brian. Mm. Hey, um, we won't go too much longer because I know we want to start eating and want to cook the barbecue for us. <laughs> but uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you is you mentioned in your research around um, he had social media addiction mm. and porn. So can we talk a little bit about uh, those are kind of taboo topics, especially porn, right? Mm. And and our well, in every community, I mean, mm. no one sits there and you know admits to all that stuff, but. But are we seeing that same type of risk-taking um, uh, historical practice? Is that what's happening in that space as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then what technology does is just uh, it just amplifies you know the whole secrecy of it. Mm. Uh, if you, if you look at it right, if twenty thirty odd years ago. We had video stores, you know, you had like United Video, Blockbuster and all that kind of stuff. And there was always that room at the back, the dark corner that everyone knows about, but no one would dare go into for the fear of getting caught. Um, and then you go to a shop and there were magazines, you know, um, and then you don't want to be that guy that walks out with a brown paper bag. Yeah. Um, 20, 30 odd years later, those are gone because everything's online mm. and so you know you could just be you could be lying in bed with your phone getting free access to all these pornographic websites and no one knows about it um you could be at work doing it um you could be at school and i'll give some data bro in regards to pornhub came out with some some numbers back in 2019 uh and what they found was that um here in Aotearoa, uh, a thirty odd percent, seventy percent of the of porn consumption was on mobile devices. Thirty mm. percent was on computers, desktop, which is quite alarming. Um, if you look at it in regards to majority of the homes today, don't have computers. Those traditional desktops that we used to have. Everyone's on iPads and all that stuff, which means desktops now are heavily used in workplace and schools where porn are being consumed. Mm. Um, and, you know, Pornhub broke, broke down device, um, regional use, you know, uh, gender, you know, obviously male dominates. Yeah. Um, if you look at searches, there's a lot of, uh, um, the number one search was Māori. Mm, really? Yeah. Wow. On Pornhub. Um, and in the top 10, Samoan came out fourth. And so, which which shows that there are people, if not, if they're non-Pacific, there are Pacific people viewing porn. Mm. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a taboo topic, but now it's become, it's more than just, um, um, you know sexual sensation and all that kind of stuff mm. and it's almost become a it's a job for a lot of, and, and, and believe it or not you're seeing a lot of maori pacific people going into this into the industry because they know they can get some money out of it right because that's what the data is that's right that supply demand and it amplified during COVID 19 with uh, on um there's a website called only fans and that took off and there are a number of uh, Māori Pacific peoples in the, involved, and I'm not saying that it's bad. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. What I'm trying to do now is raise it now to ensure that this we have time to talk about it, and address both or both the positives and negatives now. But yes, and does is because science tells you there's something going on, Correct. and is it for the community to say? What do we do about it? Correct. Maybe we didn't talk about it enough or acknowledge it, and we created 
now the science is showing us if you don't deal with it like we know if you don't deal with PTSD it grows and grows and grows because it's something absolutely yeah and, and you know like like yeah like you said you know if we don't address it now it's going to be even a bigger issue later mm. in life mm. and it doesn't help that we already live in a very religious society that just everything non-religious is bad mm. Mm. and porn is seen as this bad thing that that um, people, a lot of our Pacific people don't want to do or know about. And if look at the US, for example, right? The number one state that, that views porn, Utah. Right. And so the more restricted and isolated a society is, the more at risk, at risk they are in being exposed to um, at-risk behaviors. So it's kind of almost saying that Bubbles kept us safe, but we need to pop those as soon as we can because they're going to insulate us, aren't they? Absolutely. And they're going to force us back to what some some other primal instincts that maybe society has doubt knows how to deal with, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That, that's a really um, academic way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just hanging out with you. <laughs> hanging out with you. Well, bro. Like, what what's coming up, man? Because I hope. One of the things I hope is we can lead the charge. Like I've said to you, you know, privately and I'll say it public, uh, I want all of our academics in the Pacific space to have their own shows, you know, to come and talk and to lay down some of this knowledge because maybe part of the challenge is, let's just say most people won't go and read the academic papers. But if we can get our hands on you to come and explain what that means mm. in a practical way, that's awesome, mm. you know, because then we can, like we can all actually already take what data you're saying and maybe it's time to get that monopoly out and start you know being competitive for the right reasons eh mm. and then that 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 um maybe like a, a demon or an energy will be used as opposed to building up and then you need to find uh the raise the stakes you know mm. and stuff like that so yeah man what's next what's coming up in your world oh you know so you know yeah, i've got the next three years to do to do the study on online addictive behaviors, um, doing some uh, some work on uh, assisted reproduction technologies, looking at um, the Pacific journeys going through IVF wow. um, and, and other uh, assisted uh, reproductive technologies uh, here in Aotearoa. Um, that's a beast on its own. Um, just finished writing a book chapter on it. And so it's amazing to make fertility is another another interesting topic to mm. talk about. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah, so teaching as well at the University of Auckland. So if you're out there listening, uh, <laughs> if you want to take a paper, uh, anything Pacific related, um, U of A is a space. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, um, if, you know, you got this professional life you want to do, but at, this, at the same time, what's important to me is my family. So um, I've got my wife and uh, my, my young daughter. Uh, and, and, and that's something that I just want to continue to do is. If I had a if I had a choice and if I could win the lotto, <laughs> excuse the, the gambling pun, um, you know, I'd just just retire really, yeah, but um, and just take care of my daughter and my wife. So, uh, isn't that weird? Because I have the same thoughts. <laughs> Money is. I never think. I don't think. You know, I've never had heaps of it. I don't think if I had heaps of it that I'd want more and more and more. And there must be maybe that's interesting research too. It's mm. just I feel like most of us just want enough. That we don't have to run the rat race, yeah, yeah. you know. And actually, I was thinking about it the other day. Money, my wife and I were doing the budget, and it's like, let's see what the lowest we can make it. Yeah, yeah. I have all my friends; they're all like chasing these big bucks, yeah. and both of them working their butts off. And I'm like, at what point do you need all of that? Okay. So, so it's that rainy day, and maybe it does come, and I'll be proved wrong. But I'd, I'd like to think. You know, let's let's keep those salaries under the big stuff where they demand some of your being for that salary. Oh, absolutely. You know, oh, let's be honest, bro. And and you mentioned the key word there is budgeting, right? Mm. And in Pacific spaces, man, these no these no word for budgeting. Mm. But I think we're now at a time where our, our families do need to budget and just look at the finances. Mm. Just look at where the money's, how the money's coming in. And where the money's going out, yeah. and just and just start addressing it. It's funny because I was just talking about it with my wife earlier. Mm. Um, you know, we we heavy coffee coffee drinkers, so we you know we we know where to cut, 
we just do it anyways. But I think now we're in a space where yeah, let's let's make a difference now within our own spaces God. and our own finances and start addressing it. But other than that, bro, it's uh, hey man, it's been a blessing and privilege to drive out to your space. Yeah, thanks, man. And uh, you know. I've seen how this podcast has grown. So, <laughs> sitting alongside other yeah. the legend himself oh, and other dude. people who sat in the same Stop couch. That. Stop that. That's um, <laughs> very kind of you because I'm going to turn on the barbecue. Hey, final question. When you find something when you're researching, yeah. do you have those eureka moments like, oh, I can't believe I found it, you know? Or, whoa, that's weird that actually uh this happened yeah man if anything man that, that's what that's why we do research yeah it's those light bulb moments that you just sit there and go holy shit <laughs> yeah. this is it this is why yeah sorry the no no it's all but good but this, this is why this is why this is what i'm looking for mm. and then you keep looking for it and then you find some more gems well and sometimes you stop the journey i know because I came to you with my uh, breathing, mm. um, I was trying to understand it, and I couldn't. I couldn't. Well, I was trying to understand two things. One, we be, why we breathe too quickly, and what that happens makes us happen in our bodies. And I know now that it turns on the stress mechanism. So the opposite is true. If you breathe slower, you're going to turn it off. But they kept saying to me, people kept saying, if you take a longer exhale, you'll feel calmer. And I was like, why? Don't just tell me that so i searched and searched and i found the reason the reason is because when you exhale longer your diaphragm comes up it squeezes your heart when your heart gets squeezed it sends a message to your brain saying slow down and i was like i actually now don't need to study that anymore mm. and it's brutal because i'm such a it, it's brutal because i have to like tell everyone sorry i'm not doing that anymore i'm going on to so i found my answer but i had to like enroll in this masters and go down all this drama but it's cool you know that's i i said to my mum you know thank you for telling me i could do whatever i want and that's actually what it looks like in real life you Mm. know trying to struggle your way through but edmund man i appreciate that um is there any websites or anything people can follow if they wish to search uh on your uni page what's the best way they just google your name yeah just google my name um it's edmund with a o um that's a long that's a long thesis on its own (laughs) traditionally edmund's with a u but um on the university of Auckland and uh and also on linkedin as well so um yeah, easy to find me. And if you if you're keen for a chat, let me know. Just only it's just a another cup of coffee or a, a carver bowl as well. Boom! Awesome, awesome. <laughs> I wanted to say this. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, bro. Thanks, man. Ish. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Broke my heart in the dark I was just trying to feel something Falling asleep to the sound of it Always used to let you clean up the mess Just down on my knees Thought I couldn't stand up on my own Turns out sometimes you're stronger alone Bringing out the fight, yeah Bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a Inside the mirror, I find one. Oh, carry the hurt when it gets too hard. Pick it up, dust it off. When I fall down 11, I get up 12. Don't need nobody else. Yeah, I can save myself. Got burned, but I learned our scars make us who we are. Now I'm 10 feet tall over my demons. Remind me no one's got me like myself Yeah, I love me without any help I'm the best thing to believe in So I'm bringing out the fight, yeah Bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero Look inside the mirror I find one Oh, carry the hurt when it gets too hard Pick it up, dust it off
pieces But I got a million reasons why I won't Cause this heavy is a season And the sun is always right behind the storm